0: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Today's Wednesday, right? Today's the middle of the week? I think it is. Holy cow, what a day it's been! And welcome into the program. It is The Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas. But we are all over the place on multiple radio stations all over the country, multiple TV stations and networks, online streaming, podcasting, a brand new month. Welcome in. It's great to have you along for the ride, your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day what a crazy day we just got got done filling in i had the pleasure as always whenever mark walters is out filling in for the great mark walters on armed american radio so we got done with that program we got a lot of stuff to get to on this show today i don't want to waste any time because (laughs) we have limited time and a lot of stuff to get to bottom of the hour dr richard Howe. we've had him on the program before we'll talk a little philosophy also christians being stuck in afghanistan what's The latest in the debacle in Afghanistan, how do we get our, you know, our aides out, our U.S. citizens out? I love how the Biden administration tries to say that, well, if they want to get out, they can. But, you know, there there are still some still there. But if they want to get out, they have the opportunity. I don't know a single person that's saying, you know what, I think I'm just going to stay right here. Although I guess it's a toss up between living there and fighting for your life and then being here under the Biden administration and the Democrats and saying, and fighting for your rights and liberties every single day. I don't know. Just trying to compare the two. Welcome into the show. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. You can find us all over our social media with our handle at Hoosier Reason. Also, the website at HoosierReason.com. I don't want to waste any time. Let's get into what's trending for our day today. What's trending today? And while we have uh, multiple guests on the program today, I am so excited to have our first guest on for the hour. She's a firebrand. And while we talked about the movement, the conservatives just done mm -mm, over it, not wanting to deal with this left-wing progressive garbage anymore in communities all over the nation, and especially in Washington, D.C., we see new young Awesome people jumping into races all over and a year, year and a half out from the election time, meaning the conservative movement is rising and bigger and faster than I think we've ever seen before. And we've had candidates on from all over the country as we're literally in all over the country with listeners on the podcast and radio stations all over the place. And while we try to bring some focus to these areas, ways that we can actually make some major changes, I am really excited to have our next guest on the program. She is a candidate for the 5th Congressional District in the great state of Minnesota. Super excited to have Cecily Davis on here. Cecily, how are you, my friend?
1: I am doing well, and I love being referred to as a firebrand. I love it. Uh,
0: You are a (laughs) firebrand. I have been watching some of your your political ads on YouTube and in your website, and I tell you, you don't take no crap, because that's what we need right now. I think people are tired of the compromising, tired of the working together on bad policy, tired of just trying to go along to get along We're sick of it. The mainstream Republicans are done. I think the establishment Republicans are done. We're tired of the progressive agenda from the other side of the aisle. So that's completely written off. We want people in there like yourself, like we've had on Kathy Barnett from Pennsylvania, like uh, Lauren Boebert, current congresswoman from Colorado. Well, we're just done. And we want people to say, no, that's not okay, And we're not going to tolerate it.
1: Absolutely. This is a time for boldness. Um, This is a time to stand up and make your stance known. And I do believe that now more than any time is the right time and for the right candidates. And I am one of them. I'm I'm ecstatic to be one of those candidates.
0: Yeah. Talk about your platform because you are in a really wild area. I mean, obviously you're in Minnesota, you're near the Minneapolis area district number five up there. Uh, You get to battle Ilhan Omar, which uh, just turns my stomach every time I think of that, but talk about your (laughs) platform and kind of what battles you're dealing with up in your area.
1: Absolutely. So Minnesota has suffered not just from COVID-19 pandemic, but from a pandemic of crime as well. Violent crime in Minneapolis has ballooned by 21%. Um, since December of 2020, when the city council of Minneapolis actually defunded the police by $18 million, shootings are up 250%, homicides and carjackings are up 105 and 222%. Oh. The reason why I got into this race is to Um, Just change that narrative. We are suffering from massive leadership failure, not just in CD5 and the state, but across this entire country.
0: It's wild that we tolerate this. I mean, with carjacks up, with homicides up, with violence up, we just, I mean, I know you're in an area where they try to defund the cops and all that kind of garbage as well. Uh, I mean, we're seeing anarchy in the streets, and it seems like the other side is advocating for it and endorsing it.
1: Absolutely, and so what you have is a leader. If I, I I can't even, I won't even call her that, but (laughs) Ilhan Omar has basically. um, She's she's voting to, she's riling up uh, the citizens to defund the police, where criminality is taking over. We have a judicial system that is practicing catch and release, which is really great for fish, but doesn't work um, for the citizens here in CD five. And so what you have is again that lack of leadership, and we are suffering here. Um, where we don't feel safe at night to walk our dogs to spend time to walk to the stadium and things like that and so that needs to end and someone needs to be bold enough to stand up and just say no and i'm saying no it ends with me the ball stops here
0: yeah no i love it are a lot of members of the community in that district five there are they is that the point that they're at too they're just fed up and saying if i can't even walk to the grocery store or walk my dog down the street then we have a serious problem here
1: Absolutely. You're talking about literally 72% of citizens here in just Minneapolis alone does not believe in the notion or does not support the notion of defunding the police. Mm. And so they are afraid. And so fear does not belong in the great star of the North. I'm a little biased about that, but I love this city. I love this district. And so what we need is someone who is going to have that boldness and just you know what, bring back the vitality of Minneapolis and fight for it. And she's absolutely worth fighting for.
0: Yeah, she's really worth fighting for. I would love to go to Minneapolis one of these days and actually visit. I have no intention to do so now just because of the the area right now and what it's like. And, uh, I mean, the the division, the identity politics they try to play, the, the fear tactics that they use, have they just scared people into submission? Have they just gone along with it because they were outnumbered? I mean, what's led up to this point that you're seeing right now?
1: Absolutely. That's a great question. You know, this is a district that has voted liberal since 1963. So what I believe is that not only are we suffering from massive leadership failure, I think that there is a complacency. And so when you talk about that boldness, what I'm really talking about is awakening the dead. Um, And people are realizing with The leadership that we have um, in this administration under the Biden administration, those people are starting to wake up and they're realizing that those blue policies are not working for them, that they want to live in a country that is free. In a country that is exceptional, that's the U.S. of A. And we're going to start it right here in
0: CD5. Yeah, and it's about time. If you've, they've been voting Democrat since the 60s, then uh, at least it's, it takes a while. Sometimes it takes some people, a little slow time, takes them a little bit to catch up, <laughs> but at least they're starting to catch up. We're talking with Cicely Davis, candidate for the Congressional District number 5 in the state of Minnesota. Talk about the economy. I mean, in your videos, you show a lot of the rundown areas with businesses that are shut down all boarded up. Is this the direction things have gone, especially with COVID over the last year? I mean, what does the economy look like in the in the Minneapolis area, and is it revivable right now?
1: It's revivable, but it's going to take the right leadership. Um, what you're seeing is typical blue run sta- um, cities, blue run states, where um, you see rioting and looting, and then the after effect are um, you know businesses that are run by minorities and minority owned um, suffer the most. Um, And so we have private business, we have corporations who have left the city with no promise to return, and there is a depletion. It is revised. We can get it back, but it's going to require the right kind of leadership and literally changing the way we think and the approach that has gone on, again, since 1963.
0: Yeah, it's kind of reprogramming everybody there to understand that there is opportunity and you just don't have to rely on government to make that happen. How bad has it been and has it exemplified that with the COVID pandemic over the last year?
1: So what you see um, with the pandemic is that um, with, them, with people receiving, um, you know, incentives to stay home, um, people aren't excited to get back into the workforce. That wow. has had an adverse effect on the economy and the, re- the v- revitalization for Minneapolis. And so we need to incentivize people to get back to work to pay into the revitalization of this city um, and understand that there's pride in the workforce. And if they really, truly want a city where they can feel safe in, they actually have to participate in it. Um, And we have to find ways to incentivize people to get back. Um, And absolutely, handouts will definitely not make a change we've seen that since the 60s particularly in the black
0: community well sure and i'm sure that it hasn't been made any better because being in that area with ilhan omar i'm sure that whole uh, it's not a labor shortage it's a wage debate you know trying to raise minimum wage up to 15 or 20 dollars an hour or whatever the hell they're trying to advocate for now i'm assuming that that's only made problems worth because the small business trying to reopen after covid probably has a hard time just hiring anybody with the wages
1: That's correct. And so if you're incentivized to sit home and be paid more, um, then that's what you'll do. Um, When we talk about um, lack of leadership, what she's doing is, is keeping people riled up. She keeps you angry and, you know, pounding your fist, but there are no real solutions. And so we need someone who can actually offer real solutions and policies that incentivize people to get back into work. This is a beautiful city. It's a fantastic district. We want everyone to have a source of pride and to participate and pay into the revitalization of it. And that's what I'm I'm absolutely ecstatic to do. Yeah.
0: Amen to that. We're talking with Cicely Davis, candidate <laughs> for the fifth district of uh, Minneapolis there in the Minnesota area. Talk about let's talk about a grander scale for a second, talk about Afghanistan. We're gonna talk about that later on in the show as well. But I want to get your thoughts on, I mean, how much that's impacted your community up there and just with how this has been done? I mean, running for Congress, talking to people in D.C. and looking at the party. I mean, is it time for an impeachment talk about Biden? I mean, obviously it was a flop and a disaster how we ended up pulling things out of there. But what's your what's your thoughts on the entire issue right now?
1: Yeah. So, again, I go back to massive leadership failure. And when I say that, I'm really talking about the expectations, the low expectations we have for leadership in general in this country. And so what we're seeing eight months into this administrative leadership is that people have died. So we have blood on the hands of this administration. This cannot continue. When we talk about Afghanistan, when we talk about our southern borders, um, we talk about, um, you know, we talk about our financial situation. We are suffering from massive leadership failure. We have to change that. Afghanistan is is as as bad as it ever gets. We cannot lose lives. American lives are precious. Um, this is what we will continue to suffer under this kind of leadership. It has got to go. It has to stop.
0: Yeah, you're right. I, I'm noticing a trend there. And it seems like from the local level there in Minneapolis, all the way up to the grand scale, we're just seeing that lack of leadership. But Democrats, they're very good at organizing to get people riled up, not so much in actually you know, implementing their policies on a grand scale to actually make it effective. Uh, in just about 45 seconds or so before we have to let you go, talk about your background, talk about the leadership that you have, because being the firebrand that you are, as you mentioned, this is this is a leadership opportunity.
1: Sure, absolutely. I was a grassroots, and um, I'm from healthcare, And so I understand um, what it takes to actually care for people and what that really entails, the action. Uh, my plan is to just put power back into law enforcement and to um, bring vitality back to Minneapolis. I also hope to um, bring about real, true policies where money follows the students in our education system, um, and to make sure that literacy rates change here in Minneapolis, and that's those that are my that's my platform. Um, I plan to have actual impact and make real change instead of just you know, pounding fists in the air and making sure that I'm really popular on on social media.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? That's going to come as a default when you actually get things done. And I really hope you do. We got to get you back on the air, obviously, over the next year before as we go into the midterm elections. It's Cicely Davis, candidate for the Fifth District of Minnesota. Cicely, it's so great to talk to you. Good luck on the campaign trail. I love seeing another, as I mentioned, firebrand running for office because we need you up in D.C. So good luck. Let's get you back on the show again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. That again, Cicely Davis from Minnesota District No. 5. Go to her website, cicelydavis.com. Check out her platform. You can donate, follow her, and all the goodies there. Lots more to get to. It's a midweek celebration. It's The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back, and we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. helping you defend and preserve this great republic.
2: You're listening to The Voice of Reason
0: with Andy Hoosier. I don't know about you, but I'm more optimistic every day of hearing more and more candidates jumping into races all over the place. Now, again, they have to appeal to the demographic and to the voting base of those districts. So politics is very dirty. It's very weird. It's a very gray area. But the fact that we have firebrands saying, you know what? I'm going to... Spend my time campaigning for Congress. I've never been in politics, or maybe I've been an activist on the grassroots level. Never actually done it myself. And finally, saying enough is enough. I want to do my part. This—it's amazing. It's amazing. Cicely Davis, CicelyDavis.com. We appreciate her very much coming on the program. And good luck to her in the Fifth District of Minnesota in that Minneapolis area. That's a brutal area there. And I'm not talking about like the city itself. I'm talking politically wise. It is a brutal area politically wise because I mean you have Ilhan Omar that you're going up against the left of the left in that level and to call out the garbage policies that they have that's bold bold the firebrand I love her we'll get her back on the show again soon I absolutely love chatting with her coming up at the bottom of the hour in just a few minutes we'll have Dr. Richard Howe looking forward to chatting with him we've had him on the show before he's a professor of philosophy and apologetics with the Uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary. So we'll have some fun chatting about that in just a little bit as we talk about policy and the lack of leadership from the federal level right now. And obviously Afghanistan's been a big issue and the number of firearms, the number of things that they left behind, how terrible it was for, what was it, 15, 16, 19, whatever uh, military soldiers that that died over the last few uh, over the last week, I guess, really with the pulling out of Afghanistan. At the same time, You know, all the focus over here, not much focus going on over here. We need to be aware of the rest of what's going on with the, I don't know, the federal budget, the infrastructure plan that's going to also ruin us. At the same time, we have to be concerned about domestic terrorist threats. The Biden administration working on additional death taxes. Now, we've read the list of the number of new taxes coming in if we pass this federal budget and if we pass this infrastructure plan nearly $5 trillion in spending. He gets all upset about a $1 trillion being spent over a 20-year period, which I'm not saying we needed to spend, but it's not even comparable to the 5000000000000 trillion we're going to spend in a single year under the new Biden plan with all these ridiculous spending bills. But it's for the people, right? It's for the common good. It's for the general welfare. It's for the increase in technology. It's for the increase in climate change awareness. We're saving the planet based on government bureaucratic administrative plans. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that works really well. Nonetheless, we have to find a way to tax people to spend it, right? Because the way things normally work, the way things used to work, let's put it that way, the way things worked back in the day, back in my day, even though I never got to experience it, was that you had a tax rate, and you had a tax for sales tax, you had a personal income tax, you had a corporate tax. You you know you have all these ridiculous tax and fees and fines, and I love it. You know you speed on the road and you get a ticket where you have to financially give the government money for them to stay in, you know, functioning and hire more police officers to ticket you for something else that you did on the roadways. I, uh, that's the libertarian inside me. I'm sorry. That's just, you know, my bitters. I'm not bitter. I did get a ticket a few weeks ago. I will tell you that. So I, and it wasn't even just for speeding. I'm not a, I do speed I shouldn't say it on the radio, but I do speed. No, it was because my tail light had been cracked. Thank Mrs. Voice of Reason for backing into it, in my own dry voice, so I couldn't even file an insurance claim. And I I I had a little bit of tape over it until I got it replaced. And the tape had just worn down. So they pulled me over for that. And then they they ticketed me 30 bucks for not wearing a seatbelt. Because I had literally just taken off my seatbelt to try and reach for something, and he caught me on that. So give me the $30 ticket, whatever. But I mean, just stupid. Try and get me for You You have drug dealers and people committing crimes and robbing banks and homicides and you're worried about me not wearing a seatbelt. Again, I digress. In the order for the government to find the funds it needs to fund the programs instead of the way it needs to be opposite is to find programs based on the money they have, they're wanting to increase taxes. One of them is to getting rid of eliminating the step-up in basis death tax, essentially saying that we're going to have a secondary death tax on top of the already death tax that we have. If you have property... If you have a business, if you have wealth that you're handing down to your uh, to your kids when you die, they now have to go through a second piece of red tape for a secondary death tax that's essentially going to take nearly 60% of whatever it is, or I mean, however, whatever percentage it is, it's going to be a lot, to where there's very little you can actually hand down to the next generation. Again, kind of pathetic, the isn't it? The of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. What a day. What a day. I tell you what, it's great to have you along for the ride today for a midweek celebration, the pre-pre-Friday, the post-post-Monday, however you want to look at it today. You can find us all over our social media. By the way, today is the beginning of the month, which means our newsletter usually comes out today. It has not come out yet because I wanted to give you some time, and I don't like sending them in the middle of the week. I just I like doing it either at the end of the week or the new week. So what we're gonna do, if you have not done so yet, go to the website Hoosierreason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R, like the Indiana Hoosiers, except there's no I in it. H-O-O-S-E-R. It was funny, there was a guy on my stream a couple weeks ago. I don't think he's ever listened to the program before, but he was he jumped on, listen, and then he made the comment of like, you don't know how to pronounce your last name. I do, thank you. It it is Hoosier just like the state, but without the I in the spelling, H-O-O-S-E-R reason.com. You can go on there. It'll pop up, say, do you want to become a holic? You say yes. Type in your email. It's completely free. We do not spam you all the time. We'll just send you a once a month email on topical issues. We'll have our blog on there, guests that we've had on the show from the last month, Link to our social media, different civic holidays for the upcoming month. So uh, all that's on there. We'll send that out on Monday, on Labor Day. So, uh, you have a couple more days to get on there. Again, totally free. Just go to HoosierReason.com, sign up for that newsletter. We thank you for that. We killed it for download podcasts again, broke another record for the show. We we continue to kill it. We're, we see more states. We see more people in each state growing. So, thank you for that. We love you. We appreciate it very much. As your millennial general tries to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag, we appreciate you more and more every single day. I want to shift gears a little bit because obviously Afghanistan is a major issue. And I still want to talk about that kind of sort of, but in a a little bit different way we had Cicely Davis on congressional candidate for uh, the Minneapolis area taking on Ilhan Omar up there in Minnesota God bless her that's a brutal one there and hopefully we can get rid of that left-wing fanatic up there uh, with Cicely Davis go to CicelyDavis.com and check her stuff out we had her on at the top of the show and she talked about a little bit of Afghanistan but I want to look at it in a little bit different way and a little bit more philosophical way as super excited to have back on the program and it's been way too long since we've had this guy on as we talk a little bit of philosophy a little bit of religion a little bit of just common sense in the world that we live in today he is the uh, professor of philosophy and apologetics with the southern evangelical seminary you can find them online at ses.edu excited to have back on the program dr richard Howe with us dr how are you my friend
2: Andy, it's so great to be back with you. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of all you're doing for the good of the world.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I love having you on the show. It's a great conversation, and uh, some people may gloss over with some of the in-depth unveiling layers of the onion we like to have, but that's, that's what gets me going. I get excited about that, so I appreciate being able to do that with you on the radio here. Uh, let's talk about, obviously, what's going on in Afghanistan and just kind of the world around us right now, and from a religious and a Christian, again, I don't care what everybody believes. I'm not there. You know, I've done a super spiritual trend myself. Actually, you'd enjoy this. I just went on a vision quest last weekend, a two-day vision quest. I did a five-day fasting and then went out in the woods for two days and did a survival naked and afraid episode kind of thing. And uh, Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite intriguing. So – I definitely have some stories there in isolation and, and complete quiet solitude in the woods for like 40, 30 hours or something. It was uh, it was intense, so that was an experience for sure. But in the religious, spiritual aspect of the world right now, we're in kind of a weird battle right now, especially what's what's going on in the Middle East, aren't we? Uh,
2: no doubt. I mean, uh, if it's if there's not one thing, it's another that keeps bringing up the question, Uh, that we're dealing with today, and that is, uh, you know, why would God allow there to be evil? And everybody has to contend with that. You know, what's interesting, I also teach the world religion class at -hmm. the seminary, and there's no world religion and no philosophy that I'm aware of that doesn't at least tacitly acknowledge that something is wrong with the world. (laughs) Uh, A lot of different opinions about why that is, and what is the nature of that quote-unquote wrong but it's a ubiquitous human experience, to be
0: sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely an experience, and it's a battle. And you're right. Everybody is admitting something weird, something bad is going on. Now, the radical extremists, and I'm not lumping in the entire Muslim Islam, Islamic community in there in any way, shape, or form. I know a lot of Muslims that do a lot of really great work, that are very peaceful. I mean, obviously, we have the Islamic Society of Wichita here in the home ground where I'm at. Uh, and obviously, being a third of the world population being Muslim, a small fraction of that, is radicalized, but that's what we're dealing with over in Afghanistan. Uh, We see, and I've heard the headlines of women and men that have had Bible apps on their phone being beheaded and being slaughtered right now. Are there any pastors, are there any Christian movements in the country right now, or has that kind of gone quiet and dark for a while? I, I can't imagine that it hasn't gone quiet
2: and dark as it has in a lot of countries where Christianity is targeted by the authorities. Uh, Many times these authorities are motivated by a uh, religious animus towards the claims of Christianity.
0: Uh, But you also have
2: secular governments that have done that as well with the uh, uh, various purges around with all the communist atheist groups over the history and stuff. So it's not exclusive among religious people. But, yeah, I can't imagine it hasn't – if there's anybody surviving that they're not doing everything they can to keep – Uh, below the radar and uh, see how either they can get out of the country or maybe things will sort of calm down and the attention of the authorities will be turned to some other uh, problem to solve, quote unquote.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I mean, talk about since you do, I mean, teach a lot of the world religions, talk about just the environment over there. And is there a safe haven anywhere in the Middle East outside other than Israel, obviously, where you have a little bit more freedom? Is there any other sanctuary for Christians in that area? Or is it pretty much keep your head down and don't speak of it sort of thing?
2: Well, I think that it does run a spectrum. There are some places, I think probably Jordan, and I'm not a political scientist and I'm not a politician, but I suspect in many respects places like Jordan, for example, would be a little bit more amenable. Maybe the uh, United Arab Emirates perhaps will be. So it runs a spectrum from places where you're more or less allowed to a greater or lesser extent to live your life, live and let live, from that end to... You would have to live as a as a closet Christian, so to speak. A good friend of mine who was a Muslim, taught at a major university in Egypt, became a Christian and had to live for about a year as a secret Christian before he realized, I just need to move away. And that may have been a lot to do with the environs he was already connected with as a professor at a Muslim university. So that might not necessarily say that every Christian had to do that in Egypt, but he certainly did. So I think you definitely see this spectrum. You know what's amazing to me, though, is the fact that there are many Christians uh, throughout history who, knowing the dangers that they're facing,
0: deliberately
2: go into these hostile places because they care so much about the message that they're trying to carry, that they're willing to put their lives at risk to carry that message. And, And you can't do anything but admire uh, people's courage and commitment in that regard.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it's important and, and they feel driven to do so, it's great. And even if it just starts the dialogue, I mean, your thoughts just overall around the world, have we gotten better with every religion to at least be able to coexist a little bit better instead of just fighting each other constantly? I mean, obviously, the Middle East is a little bit different place because there's a lot of tension and there has been a lot of tension for thousands of years over there. So, I mean, it's kind of a bad example. But the rest of the world, are we at least getting better with coexisting? I went on a missions trip back in... Ah, uh, 2005. After the big tsunami that hit Sri Lanka back in 04, we went the summer of 05 to help out, and obviously that was a very big Hindu area, a very big Buddhist area. And at first, the Buddhists, especially, were very on edge with us being there as a missions work group, trying to be there to help do some, uh, do do some rehab and clean up after the tsunami. But by the end of it, most of them were extremely friendly. They were extremely gracious. We helped out at a Buddhist monastery one day, and it was really cool and enlightening to kind of see how they work and how we can actually get along. And I'm hoping that that's the way that we're slowly moving as humanity as a whole overall in time, aren't we? I would like to think so. I think there are two factors that are relevant. One is uh, historically,
2: and even today, there are places to greater or lesser extents where, the dominant religion in the area is almost coextensive with the government in that area. Mm. So that an affront to the religion is almost a form of treason. And that's the way it used to be even in Christian Europe, if you go back far enough. To be a heretic was the same as to be a a, a treason, uh, so you could suffer political punishment for religious views. So you've got that going on. And so to the extent that you see this in some countries, you're going to run into an animus with any religion that is interpreted rightly or wrongly to stand in opposition to the governmental authority. But the other thing that I think is maybe a more important factor, certainly I think more felt here in the United States, is the degree to which a conservative evangelical Christian perspective threatens the mores and the conventional moral uh, commitments of people around them. So, for example, if you've got a large enough presence of Christianity then there might be some opposition to same-sex marriage or abortion or some other kinds of public moral things. So because Christianity in its conservative form is seen to be opposed to these uh, to these values that are diffused through society, then the Christians are beginning to become marginalized. Somebody told me this weekend, we were interestingly talking about the coexist sticker, and a friend of mine said he's seen the most recent version of that, where the cross is not even on the coexist sticker anymore. Oh, and he took that <laughs> as a as a declaration that we're not interested anymore in coexisting with the Christians. Mm. Uh, so I go, well, I'm not surprised, given the, uh, the battles that we're fighting over public morality and other issues that Christianity, at least conservative Christianity, tries to be a solid uh, front towards.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I was not aware the new coexist doesn't even include that. That's wild to me. Uh, they're so angry and so hateful against just kind of marginalizing that out they don't want anything to even do with it to even try and work along with the evil christian right wing you know the, the white privileged ones that cling to their guns and their bibles right i mean that's what the, the kind of mindset exactly. that uh, that we get this reputation for we're talking with dr richard howe with the uh, southern evangelical seminary we got to take a break here. can you stick over one more segment with us Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. I appreciate that because I, you mentioned something that I want to—I wanted to talk about. So it's kind of a perfect segue. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, the reputation of the conservative Christian in the country. Is it getting bigger? Is it getting smaller? Have we gone too far in trying to "quote unquote" impose our morality lines and boundaries on other individuals that may have done harm in the political spectrum, uh, or are we gaining in church attendance and just religious faith in the nation? overall are we growing or dwindling because there's been some concerning news at least that i've seen over the last couple years on a dwindling amount of people that actually believe in some form of religion or spirituality in some way shape or form so uh, i want to touch on that when we come back here lots more to get to one more segment here on the voice of reason for a midweek celebration on kind of an off-topic interesting one at least i think right here on the show stay here the voice of reason with andy hoosier fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at reason.com. Again, reason.com. Go check it out. Why?
2: You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back,
0: and it goes by way too fast. I don't care what any other show says. We are by far the fastest hour of radio on radio, plus the TV, live streaming, podcasting. You can find us all over on our Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch.tv, Instagram, TikTok, OurFreedomBook.com, and, of course, the website at HoosierReason.com. All the handles at HoosierReason as well and all those social media as well. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We've had a lot of great content right now. We're talking with Dr. Richard Howe with the Southern Evangelical Seminary. He is a professor of philosophy and apologetics. Uh, Loved having these discussions a little bit on the political side, but more so, uh, again, I mean, we're the voice of reason. We're not just like hard politics of tax rates from the Biden administration, which does anger. Don't get me started on that tax increase. But at the same time, we have we discuss life on common sense and reason, and it bleeds into all different factors of life, which is why I love these kinds of conversations. Uh, Richard, in, going into the break, I kind of teased this this topic, but overall in the country, spirituality, religion, uh, religious people—I mean, we've seen the last story I read. I want to say that we saw like a massive decrease in people that annually or regularly attend church or some type of religious institution that are actually considering themselves as religious or spiritual in some way, shape or form, which is concerning because we've also seen as the government grows, then belief in a higher power dwindles because we start looking towards the government for answers instead of that higher power and whatever that higher power may be, uh, which is concerning to me because I think we're on a massive socialist movement right now, which means we could start seeing a massive decrease in religious belief.
2: Absolutely. You know, we were just talking before the break about the coexist sticker. A good friend of mine, Frank Turek at crossexamine.org, publishes this contradict sticker. And then the sub-line under it is, they can't all be true. What I think that points out is, it's one thing, we're all happy to quote-unquote coexist, Right. But what I worry about sometimes is this marginalized, the question about whether something is actually true or not. Mm. That, the, that the idea that Christianity may or may not be true is almost like not even brought up. It's just a matter of whether or not you're spiritual. I heard a gentleman decades ago who had come out of the New Age movement into Christianity, and he made a comment I've never forgotten all these decades later. He said there's a difference between being spiritual and being godly. Now, we could have a debate as to whether one religion or another is or isn't godly. What I regret, though, is very often you're not really allowed or not even capable of having that debate when you get reactions like, well, that's true for you but not for me uh, kind of thing. Uh, Well, I know Brussels sprouts may taste good to you and they don't taste good to me, but it can't be the case that there is a God to you and there's not a God for me, or it can't be the case that Jesus is his son for you but not for me. So there are some things that are objectively claimed. And at the seminary, this is what we care about training people is to how do we broach these questions and make the case for for one particular view versus another – and I think that they all have implications for some of these other practical things that we're having to contend with in society, like the critical theory that we're battling right now. These yeah. things have, they're, they're connected in my judgment.
0: They are. And that's the big question is how do we properly approach these types of issues? Because me being the conservative, you know, even libertarian flavor to me at times, you know, with issues, obviously, you know, I'm strictly against abortion. I think it is an abomination. I don't believe or support in the LGBTQ community uh, with my traditional family values. Uh, You know, and some of those, obviously, if it's infringing upon others like an abortion issue, then I want to try and proactively try to stop some of that stuff. With the LGBTQ, do I agree with it in any way, shape, or form? I don't. I support complete, full family values, but I I think conservatives and and Christian conservatives have gotten a really bad reputation of trying to be a little forceful on, quote-unquote, imposing their moral values on other people that I think has marginalized the movement a little bit as well. How do we try to promote family values, but yet try to not turn people off from it by trying to be overbearing. It's kind of a tricky place to be in, isn't it?
2: It is. I think the line can sometimes be fuzzy between those issues that we think are private, you know, we do whatever you want in the privacy of your own bedroom right. line that we've heard a lot, versus uh, issues that have public uh, impact. And so uh, I come from a sort of a natural law – not not sort of, a really robust natural law perspective, which I think is what informed the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution that that part of what is at stake here is community flourishing.
0: So so I may be a little bit less
2: libertarian than some of my uh, conservative friends are to say I think it's not always the case that whatever you do is just confined to the privacy of your own life, but some things fall out to the – Flourishing or, or lack thereof of the community, well, and that's right an there. argument and a debate that's been going on for a long time. And we enjoy that debate. I'll tell you one thing that I do regret De- as well. tell just t- t- natural law.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sorry, we we got about 10 seconds left, so I'm out of time, my friend. But this is a conversation we have sorry. to have again. But you're you're right there and I'm right there with you. And it goes from doing your own thing to imposing your lifestyle onto me where I have that issue, and that goes on both ends of that. Dr. Richard Howe, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. We got to get you back on. We love you having it on the program. Until then, this is the Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Podcast up in a little bit. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram...